every single one of these songs um, is about me first. Me first. Um, it was like, you know, it was a period of time where I was just out, you know, just, just gone from the public. And uh, I came to terms with the fact that I had created this uh, public persona, this public illusion, and it, became, it, it held me hostage. Like, I couldn't be a real person because you're too afraid of, you know, of what your, your public will say. And at that point, I just had, I had to do some dying and really accept the fact that, look, this is who I am. Welcome back to Clear the Record. You just listened to Interlude 1 from Lauren Hill's album, MTV Unplugged Number 2. In this episode, I'm going to delve into her follow-up album to the miseducation of Lauren Hill and the response to it. Her MTV Unplugged special was recorded in July of 2001 at MTV Studios in New York City and released in 2002. It was her first return to the stage with new material in three years, and people expected the radio-friendly tunes with catchy hooks like Do Up That Thing and X Factor. But Hill had other plans. She brought only a guitar to the taping, and her vocals were raspy and raw. Realizing that there's no place else to go there's nobody I know who can help me Textbook solutions are so improbable Cause everybody else is just as empty Naked as the day that I was born I try to hide I know I sound raspy, but that's, hey I used to go on tour, you know And I'd be a prisoner I used to be a prisoner on tour Cause I, I would go on tour and tour, you're supposed to enjoy and have a good time, but I'd be this prisoner in the hotel, you know, drinking tea and, you know, telling the children, you know, mommy has to sleep because I wanted to maintain this, you know, immaculate sounding voice, but that's not realistic. You know, reality is sometimes I stay up late, and this is what I sound like when I wake up the next day. She sang openly about freedom and identity and the immense public pressure to produce easily digestible art. She also delved into racial injustice and the unfair standards black artists have to live up to in the white-dominated music world. I'm glad that I, you know, I don't have to slave anymore, you know, because music was my love. And because of everything I thought I, that had to accompany my music, it became my burden. It just got stolen from me. I said, what is this? How did this thing that I love so much so easily and so quickly turn into something I loathe and hate? And so now, you know, I understand it was because I was measuring myself or, or trying to compare myself to a standard that wasn't reality. It wasn't the standard at all. In between her new songs, she included interludes alluding to her struggles with fame and mental health. Now in 2022, there's an ongoing self-help movement, and celebrities like Selena Gomez are speaking openly about their personal struggles on social media. But in 2001, that kind of intimacy and vulnerability was unheard of, especially from a black woman artist. And I, I really went through. I mean, I'm serious. I, I, I mean, I can laugh about it now, but it took a long time for me to understand that, you know, what I am is what I am. And I, I can't be afraid to, you know, to expose that to the public. You know, always, always get in trouble trying to make it, you know, trying to dress it up. You know what I'm saying? And, and just tired of that, you know, just tired of that. The 22-track live album was panned by critics who viewed her frank lyrics and emotional monologues as self-indulgent. It was under enormous pressure after her debut album, but critics saw her performance as evidence of a fragile diva. Alexis Petrodis from The Guardian said that Lauryn Hill had too much control over the album, which resulted in its collapse. He wrote in a 2002 review, 
The issue of rock stars gaining total artistic control over their output is a thorny one. It is their holy grail, the step of fevered dreams, taking command of every detail of their music, wrestling control from bean-counting record company busybodies and interfering producers. This isn't lunacy at all, but a philosophy tailor-made for the tantrum-throwing, I-don't-do-stairs world of soul divas and supermodels. Her new songs underline the fact that Hill now lives in the land of do-as-you-please. AV Club writer Nathan Rabin wrote in a similar vein that the album was a stream of consciousness ranting that alternately suggests a ragged self-help lecture, a late-night gab session, and a nervous breakdown. And in the Washington Post, Richard Harrington compares Lauren Hill's interludes to scenes of other famous divas in pop culture history when he wrote, One can't help but think of those classic diva breakdown scenes in the films Nashville, Coal Miner's Daughter, and The Rose. Calling herself a politician, a prisoner, a victim, Hill complains a lot, and at time hectors. I can read hundreds of more quotes that chide in Miss Hill for her vulnerable performance, but you get the point. Critics weren't concerned with her mental health or stability after sudden jolt of extreme success. They wanted her to produce music at the same level as before and keep her mouth shut. I don't believe the album would have received the same denigration now. In fact, there's many people writing about how forward-thinking the album was in the early 2000s. For Complex in 2014, Jackson Connor wrote, The very things that critics derided the then 27-year-old singer for at the time, the hoarseness of her voice, the lack of structure in her songwriting, the lengthy diatribes on weighty topics like God, celebrity, and love, are exactly what make the album so daring in retrospect. Few artists, past or present, would have the courage to follow up the biggest success of their careers, with 106 minutes of uncut, unfinished, never-before-heard material. For this reason alone, Unplugged Number 2 deserves respect. Isn't this what we want from our artists? For them to be honest? For them to speak their minds? I get out I'll get out of all your boxes, I'll get out You can't hold me in these chains, I'll get out Father, free me from this bondage Knowing my condition is the reason I must change Your stinking resolution is no type of solution Preventing me from freedom, maintaining your pollution I won't support your lie no more I won't even try no more If I have to die, oh Lord That's how I choose to live But as a black woman, Lauren Hill faced even weightier barriers to being understood by the primarily male and white music press. She wanted to retain her identity as an artist and step back from the hypercritical public eye. But instead she was viewed as unstable, difficult to work with, and even crazy. While artists like Bob Dylan and Kurt Cobain have been lauded for their vulnerability and tendency to ramble on stage, Hill faced a tribunal of discouraged fans and critics for her MTV performance. Cultural and literary critic Lamar Jarrell Bruce wrote in 2012 about Hill's radical decision to retreat from the mainstream market with her MTV album. He said, After all, to embrace madness is risky business for a black woman musician operating within those racist and sexist milieus where black womanhood is double-crossed by myths of female hysteria and myths of black savagery and sub-rationality. Although it shouldn't be considered mad to fight for autonomy in an industry known for its disrespect to black artists, Hill has fallen into public disfavor. She chose not to participate in a system that caused her pain, and what's so crazy about that?